Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Love you. It's good to see you. I feel the love. Heard a story recently that I thought you may want to hear. There was a, a man and his wife and his mother-in-law, and they went to the, the Holy Land. They were doing one of those Holy Land tours, and suddenly the mother-in-law dies. Pretty bad. So they're trying to figure out, what do we do now with her body? So they meet with the, the mortician, and they're trying to figure out, okay, what do we do? The guy says, here's, here's your options. One, for $500, we can bury your mother-in-law here in the Holy Land. Or for $5,000, we can ship her body back and then you can take care of it there. Which would you like to do? The man thought about it for a second. He said, you know, I think I'm gonna pay the $5,000 and get her home. The mortician looks at her quite bewildered. This is the, the Holy Land. You can bury her here in the Holy Land and it's actually cheaper. Why would you do that? The man responds, well, I heard a story, it's about 2,000 years old, that there was a man who buried here and resurrected, and I can't (laughs) risk that happening again. (laughs) That was for free, you didn't come here for the comedy. I love what God is doing in our church family. Almost two years ago, we were on an elders retreat. We were just asking God, hey, give us vision for the future, and as we were meeting, actually, as we were preparing to meet, I think Steve and I were talking, and I just got like real, I think, what I would say is divine wisdom. It was like, hey, this, these are the steps that you're supposed to take, and he kind of laid out, God laid out this plan for about the next five years of things that we would focus on for the next five years, and so last year, up until about August, we focused on connection, probably one of the most disconnecting seasons that any of us have lived, and then we, we stepped into, in September, really focusing on health. And, uh, and so we've, we've really had a, a major focus, Freedom Weekend, the Unstuck series, kind of everything that we've been going after is really about health. And here's the reason why I believe that health is a key for us in this season. All of us want to live fruitful lives. I believe that actually God has something quite significant planned for us as a church family, but also for you individuals and in your families. And I think this, that healthy things bear fruit. And what religion teaches us is that we should go after the fruit instead of go after the health that causes the fruit. And so I believe what God is doing is he's teaching us to go after health, after life in him, after abiding, after sonship, after living in the tree of life, after not living stuck, but living full of him. I believe that's what God's doing in this season This morning, I had an interesting, uh, quiet time um, before the rest of my family was up. I just spent some time praying, and uh, I often don't share these kind of experiences because they're they're pretty personal. So some of you are like, yeah, I don't believe that. That's okay. Um, I don't get anything out of it, or out of you knowing about it, but I feel like it's key, actually, for us as a church family. I started smelling fresh lilies in my quiet time. Not like smelling here, but like smelling. So I start... Like, I I got some skeptic in me, right? So I'm like looking around like, did we sneak some fresh flowers in here? Started sniffing the the blanket that I had on me by the fireplace, thinking like, 
this was at the red plate gathering, maybe they had fresh flowers. How many of y'all had a good time at the red plate gathering, ladies? Awesome, I heard it was incredible. I was only invited to park cars, so I didn't get to. So back to the story, so I start smelling it. I'm like, wow, what's God saying? You know that God actually likes to speak to our senses. It's not just to our heads, but it's actually to our senses. And so it kind of, after a few minutes went away, and then a few minutes later came back. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And so I just started asking God, and I felt like he was saying, hey, there's, there's fresh soil for us, that he's causing us to be fresh soil, that healthy things grow in fresh soil. Then, the, then I shared Lauren with it, and she said, well, what, is, what, is lilies, what do lilies mean? And she went and looked it up in this book that she has that kind of has like prophetic symbolism stuff in it. And it means love and intimacy. I feel like what God is doing now is teaching us as a church family and teaching me what it looks like to live in love with Jesus, to be defined by the love of Jesus. And I believe that once we begin to, to wrap not just our heads, but more importantly, our hearts around that reality, like the Apostle John would say, I'm the one that Jesus loved, it begins to cause everything else in our lives to bear fruit. We are talking about this in pre-service prayer, that most of us have been taught to imitate Jesus, and it's actually not a bad, a bad idea, like to do what Jesus did. But here's the actual key to imitating Jesus. You see, the life of Jesus was this, that he lived loved by the Father so that he would only do what he saw the Father doing and say what he heard the Father saying. So the the key is not simply to look in, in the Gospels, okay, what did Jesus do? But it's how did Jesus do all that he did? And he did all that he did in communion with the Father. All that he did was out of his love relationship with the Father resting on him, the Holy Spirit. That was the life that he lived. And so uh, I feel like for us as a church family, one of the keys, maybe the, the primary key to living healthy, to living fully alive, is to learn how to be good receivers. You see, we're, we're taught by religion all the things to do, but I think the starting place has got to be receiving. And if we don't receive, then everything else, like Isaiah says, is just filthy racks. And so as we talk about being a good receiver this, this week, last week, and, and again next week, Lauren will teach, really the, the heart of it is that we would know how loved we are so that we can live in his love and then begin to overflow his love to the world around us. So often religion focuses on the results instead of the first step. And what we want to do is just rest in his love so that everything else overflows. I love what Mike Bickle says, he says that a lover always outworks a worker. A lover always outworks a worker. Religion tries to make us do, but what happens is when we begin to recognize what was done and how much he loves us, it begins to change everything about us, everything that we, that we do. And so for me, as I've been on this journey, probably for about 15 years of learning how to be a good receiver, I've realized a few truths. And one is that in our receiving, most Christians are taught to receive Jesus. You've been taught that, right? Absolutely true. Here's what we get from Jesus. Jesus is the doorway into relationship with the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And so when we receive Jesus, what we're receiving is his forgiveness that brings us into union, all right? So now we're, we're connected with the Trinity. 
in that place of, of union, connectedness, what we have immediate access to, though most believers don't understand this, and so we don't know how to receive it. How, how many of you know that you can have Christmas gifts under your Christmas tree, and they're yours, but until you open them up, you haven't really received them, right? So here's what, what we have to learn to receive. In fact, some of you, you come from more charismatic kind of backgrounds, and so you've been taught to receive Holy Spirit, right? And, and some people like get all of the Holy Spirit when they believe, and then other people have to like have like a second experience where they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not that they're not all connected, but sometimes our thinking keeps us from fully receiving. But I'd like to propose to you that as we receive Jesus, which is key to entering into relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's where eternal life starts, is receiving Jesus. As we learn to receive his forgiveness, it then leads us into receiving Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is our source of life. It's our power. It's the seal of our adoption. It's what keeps us connected to the family of God. If you live a powerless life, whether it's power to see the, the miraculous or power to live, in the holiness that, that God's called you to live in, it's probably that you need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Holy Spirit's not a substance, it's, he's a person. But I can receive somebody at a distance and I can receive them near. Many of us like to keep Holy Spirit at a distance. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness? Right, like even when you look at the words in the original language, and so it's the, your, your holiness is directly connected to, not to what you do, but to the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's what provides life for you. But it's also true, and this is, this is where God has just totally upended my life, changed my whole operating system. So we receive the forgiveness of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's the love of the Father that we get out of Father God. Most of us are taught, it's what religion does because religion is, a, is the enemy to intimacy with God. Most of us are taught that God's angry, right? Like that, how many of you, you grew up with that? Like Jesus is like the nice side of God and then there's the angry side of God that's the father, right? And he's the lightning bolt one and he's really mad. In fact, he's so mad at you that he killed Jesus. Instead of for God so loved the world that he gave his only son knowing that the Father was in the Son being, as we were being reconciled to him, right? So they're actually connected. They're not disconnected. But the key to us living love for the world, reflecting that same love, is receiving the love of the Father. And so as we receive the forgiveness of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, as we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, we also have to receive the love of the Father. And as we do that, it begins to change our lives. And as I've done that, what I realized in my own life is that my heart was really hard because I had to, I had to understand everything before I received anything, right? So I'm like trying to put all the pieces together. And so it's all got to make sense because ultimately, like we talked about last week, I did not trust, right? Like my head was the gatekeeper. If I didn't understand, then I would not trust. And ultimately, I had to be the one to keep it all together on the inside. And so I couldn't surrender, which is the, really what trust looks like, because I, I didn't understand how to be loved by God because it needed to be here instead of here. And so I'd be in like 
church gatherings and, and people are encountering God and they'd use spiritual language. I saw God, I felt God, all that stuff. How many of you, by the, well, I won't ask for a raise of hands, but when we switched from worship to receiving, when they started singing that song, Fill My Cup, how many of you felt the grace of God just drop into the room? It was like tangible. Let me say this, even if you didn't feel it, it's still available for you, right? So, but I, I, I never, my, spiritually, I hadn't learned to receive because I was so stuck on what I knew and understood that it, until it made sense to me, I was impossible for me to receive. So this morning, I wanna to talk to you about self-reliance, which is really that thing that will keep us so often from receiving, just as selfishness, me-centeredness will, will mess up our receiving, so, so self-reliance will. Next week, Lauren will talk about uh, how self-condemnation keeps us from receiving. Go with me real quick. Uh, actually, don't go there. Go to Colossians, nope, go to Galatians 3. There we go. I'm gonna read Colossians 2 to you. It says uh, in 6 and 7, this is in the Passion Translation, so it's in my notes, not in my Bible. I usually preach from the NIV. I haven't found the perfect translation yet, so I like to use lots of them, but I like the way the Passion says it here uh, in Colossians 2. It says, in the same way you receive Jesus, our Lord and Messiah, by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are also continually infused with his strength, encouraged in every way, for you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. Let me now read to you Galatians chapter three, and then we'll cover both of these verses or uh, portions of scripture. Galatians 3, 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? Are you so foolish after, being, after beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it was really in vain? So again, I ask you, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you have heard. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Here's what both of these portions of scripture are saying. As you begin in Jesus, so you continue in Jesus. See, most of us think we begin our life in Jesus by faith, but we finish it by discipline, but we finish it by striving, but we finish it by good works, right? What Paul's saying here is that as you began by faith, so you continue by faith. Here's the reality. Faith works, right? It bears fruit. And so it's not about fruitfulness. It's about the way that you live. Most of us, we, we start off in faith and then we jump over and we're like, let me show God what I can do. Right? You've been there? But the key is that we do it all by faith. Here's the reason why. You're a child of God, a daughter or son. You've been adopted into his family. So everything that you have in him is by inheritance. It's not by works. You don't earn it, you inherit it. And so the way that you receive your inheritance in him is by faith. It's by remaining seated in that seat of sonship. It's by being connected to the tree of life. 
Maturity is a process that's often painful, that we would learn how to steward our inheritance. But everything that we receive in him is actually free. He's not asking that we would earn anything. Most of us think that I start by faith and I finish by works. And so if I want more of God, it's works. No, it's actually faith. It's just resting in him. And so as we learn to receive, then what happens is, is it grows us up to look like Jesus. Our roots go deep is what Colossians 2 there says. And, and they sink into him and it, and it allows us to get all of our, all, everything out of our union that God intended us to get, which is all the life that we need. But most of us move over into self-reliance and into works. And we wonder why the grace stops going, stops flowing. We find ourselves stuck. In my journey of learning how to receive, God took me to some places to learn some difficult lessons. That's the maturing part, right? It's actually pretty painful. Several years ago, let's see, 15, 16 years ago, uh, my, my friend Ayo uh, came in town. Ayo was born in Nigeria, lived in England. We met there. He was the first person that ever came to the church that I was part of planting in Wolverhampton, England. Uh, and so Ayo shows up. He and I actually become best friends. We spend a lot of time together. So Ayo uh, is a medical professional. He now lives happily married in Vancouver, Canada. Um, Ayo is a strong guy. Ayo actually stopped working out because he would hurt his friends when he wrestled. He liked to wrestle with his friends. I actually had like back problems for about a year after wrestling with Ayo. Um, and so Ayo is, is a very strong, strong man. And so anyways, we were going to hang out at my brother's house. Uh, my brother lived in Wimberley at the time, my brother and sister-in-law. And, uh, and so we stopped by uh, the little Brookshire brothers there and we were buying some steaks to go grill. I was trying to show him as good of a Texas time as I could show him. And so we had to have some good steak. If you're not a meat eater, don't be offended by that. I'm kind of glad that there's some vegetarians in the world because that means more meat for me. So <laughs> anyway, so we, we stopped by and we grab, we grab a bunch of food, probably four or five bags of groceries. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty quick on the draw because I'm a Texan, right? So I whip out my card real quick to pay. And he's like, Joel, let me get this. Let me get this. I said, no, it's okay. I got it. A few minutes later, we've paid. They hand us our, our bags and I start grabbing all the bags. Io says to me, Joel, let me get that for you. I say, no, it's okay. I've got it. Begin to walk to the car. I was actually pretty mad at me at this point. And he said something over a bag of groceries that changed my life. He said, Joel, when you don't, let me serve you. You don't let me love you. And I begin to tear up there in the middle of the parking lot at Brookshire Brothers. Most holy place in the world, right? <laughs> and I, I realized that he was saying something, but I didn't know all that he was saying. But he, like those words, pierced me. Because I realized what he was saying is, Joel, I've, I've been trying to love you but your self-reliance is stiff-arming me. And if you would just let me serve you, then you would actually be able to receive what I'm giving to you. So I find myself in counseling not long after that. <laughs> and uh, 
Lauren and I are going on this retreat. Marriage, it's called Marriage Intensive, and they were not joking. It was super intense. And I, I knew something was wrong. At this point, I've probably been a, a, a pastor for about three years. And I realized, man, like, my heart towards Lauren is, is not soft. Right? I'm like, I, I'm supposed to be a pastor, and this is, not, this is my own dialogue with me. You can receive it how you need to receive it. But I'm like, I'm supposed to be a pastor, but when she's hurting, I can't hurt. I'm like, man, that's not okay. And so I'm like, man, I, I don't know what I need to get out of this, but I know that there's more for me. So I, just, I decided, I had this intensive, it's like three or four days of group therapy. How many of you are like excited by that? Nobody, right? <laughs> group torture is what that stuff is. So, so we're there and I'm like, I'm diving in head first. I'm like, I'll be the first one to go and I will tell you everything you need to know about me because there is something that's not okay and I need to get it fixed. Now, what I realized is this, that I've been operating in self-reliance my whole life. And that self-reliance is a form of pride. Say pride. pride. It's a sneaky form of pride, though, because most of us identify pride by loud, boastful arrogance, right? This is the sneaky sort of pride that says, I don't need anything from anybody. If I've got needs, I'll take care of them myself. And so I realized this, that my pride, my self-reliance, had kept me from receiving my whole life. Made me actually relationally like desensitized, spiritually desensitized. It kept me from living in all of the life that God had for me. And so in that place, what happened is that I had locked down all the emotions in my life and I lived fairly numb. Now I was kind, I was well-behaved, I could perform well, but as far as living wholehearted, I was anything but that. Here's the reality that I later learned is that our emotional life is like a, a, a wavelength, like the band, like band, with bandwidth, right? And so a, a, a wavelength goes as high as it goes low, right? Picture it with me, right? It's like what sound, light, all that stuff travels on. It's about as much as I know scientifically. But here's what I know is that in our lives, we have a bandwidth, joy is at the top, pain is at the bottom. And that you can actually only experience as much joy as you're willing to process pain, right? And so what happens is our inbuilt response system to pain and trauma is to shut down that bandwidth. It suppresses it. And it's actually an inbuilt system from God in order to keep us safe. That way, when we're experiencing something traumatic, the trauma doesn't continue and we don't stay exposed to what we're experiencing, right? So we shut down. The design of that is to get us into a place of safety so that we can then process and open back up and begin to heal. Most of us have never lived in a place of safety, and so we lived suppressed our whole lives. And so we have difficulty receiving from God or anybody else. Now, let me be really honest with you in my, with, about my life. You probably have heard 
most of the most traumatic stories in my life. What I mean is this. I've told you some stories, but, but most of them are nothing compared to what many of you have gone through. I totally recognize that, but it was still enough to get me to living a suppressed life. Okay? Trauma, by the way, is not comparative. You know that because it's personal. And so it's like, it's whatever it takes to mark you. Okay? So one person can go through an event, not be traumatized, somebody else. It's not that you're weak. It's just how you experience life. And so what happened was I was probably 25 years old at the time. I'd experienced a ton of trauma, like just things that hurt. And instead of processing them because I didn't know how to, I lived with a suppressed bandwidth. And what God wanted to do, so my suppressed bandwidth, by the way, is what kept me from living empathetically with the people around me because you can't give what you haven't received, right? And so if you want to comfort people, you actually, Second Corinthians 1 says that we comfort others with the same comfort we've received from God. But I hadn't received any from God, not that he wasn't giving it, but I didn't know how. So I lived stiff armed with him. And so now it's costing me in all of my relationships I seem like the tough guy. Here's what it looked like for us in marriage. I was self-reliant. Lauren was self-condemning. And so what happened is it seemed as if I had it all together, though I didn't. I just didn't know how bad off I was. And in self-condemnation, she felt like she was always the problem, which positioned us really well because I got to be the hero coming in and she was the damsel in distress that needed rescuing. The problem with that is that we learned to relate to each other that way for our whole lives, which meant that we actually weren't equally yoked because I was the one that fixed all of her problems and never had any. Meanwhile, she's always the problem. And so the way that she learned to relate to me in marriage was to be the problem. Here's what happened. I, in in that self-reliant pride, thought I had it all together. I thought I was the strong one, she was the weak one, but the truth couldn't be farther from that reality. And so what it did to her strength is it suppressed her strength, exalted my weaknesses, and we, my weaknesses, and we both felt alone. So the key to her becoming who she was designed to be was actually God put us together in marriage, but I had to come down in humility so that she could come up and take her place in worthiness. You with me? Okay. So... I was never going to be the man that God designed me to be while I was living up here. Why? Because I needed what she had, but I was not positioned to receive it. She was never going to be the woman that God designed her to be because she needed to be empowered, not necessarily by my position that I'm so much bigger, greater than her, but she needed an opportunity to offer who she had in the safeness of our own family and the safeness of her own marriage. But as long as I'm living up here, she can never step into that, right? Here's the hard-hitting reality. Some of you are gonna get mad at me for saying this. I can deal with it. Most of us call that Christian marriage. You all right? So I then had to begin to learn how to let God and other people in my life so that I would know how to receive his love and the love of others, which is what we talked about last week, right? God loves to love us through other people. 
So he's the source. Other people are the resource. They're what gets the source to me. But I learned to live loved by him. Then I've got enough to give away. So here's the key to overcoming self-reliance, right? Like every, all you self-reliant folks, which is most of us, by the way, we're taught that self-reliance is maturity, especially spiritual maturity. It's like, that's what it is to be tough, to be strong, is I don't need anything from anybody, right? And so we find ourselves absolutely alone because if you don't need anything from anybody, you won't take anything from anybody. You won't receive anything from anybody. And so the key is really, really simple, but it's not easy. You could close your ears if you don't want to hear this because you become responsible for what you hear. (laughs) The key is humility. This is such an important key that scripture says it three different times in the exact same way. I'll read it to you out of James 4, 6. It says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I want you to rethink your definition of pride. Most of us think pride is arrogance. Self-reliance is often more prideful than arrogance because it keeps everything away. Here's where God wants to lead us in our relationships with him and with each other. It's not dependence. What I'm not talking about And overcoming self-reliance is getting rid of dependence or is is stepping into dependence. What I'm talking about is interdependence. That God wants us to live in interdependence with him. It's that relational connection. It's vulnerability. Vulnerability, how many of you hate that word, right? It's like a scary word. The last thing I want to be is vulnerable. Vulnerability is a synonym for humility. The interesting thing about vulnerability is that it does mean to be open to attack. Now, who wants to be open to attack? Nobody, right? But vulnerability also means this, it's to be open to connection. And it's impossible to control in relationship. If you're going to be open for connection, you're also going to be open to attack. That's, that's why it's vulnerable, right? So here's the key. You don't have to be vulnerable with everybody, Right? Like you need to choose wisely who to be vulnerable with. What I realized is that I did not know how to be vulnerable with God and he's the one that we can be the most vulnerable with. And so my connection with God was stifled by my lack of vulnerability with him. And so what happened for me is that I've been learning how to live vulnerable with God. Just a few weeks ago, I was sharing this with our team in one of our staff meetings. I was sitting in my, with God in my quiet time saying, God, I just... I got so much going on, but I just need to be loved by you right now. It was probably the loneliest 20 minutes that I sat there. And here's why. I wanted to be loved by God in spite of my circumstances. God was waiting to enter into my circumstances. I wasn't living vulnerable with him about what I was going through. I just wanted him to put some sort of super spiritual bandaid on it so that I could move on and be good with my day. What I realized, I think it was Lynette, our children's pastor, who got to join us this morning, by the way. Y'all give it up for Lynette. She is awesome. I said, talked in that same meeting about 
living vulnerably with God, like letting him into what's going on. And I realized this, so the next day, sitting there early in the morning with God, just begin to say, hey God, this is what I'm going through. It's love just cascading down into me. Why? Because he wants to love the real me, not the spiritualized version of me, but the real me in the middle of all of my stuff. That stuff actually really, really matters. And so what I realized in humility and in living vulnerably, one, is that over time, like not all at once, you don't have to like wear yourself out, but let God into what you've experienced, the hard things, the good things. The reality is that probably more vulnerable than sharing the hard things, the even traumatic things with God, with other people, is sharing the good things. There's something incredibly vulnerable about sharing our victories. Because then it's like, man, this is the thing that's the most valuable to me. I'm gonna take my heart out and hand it to you. What are you gonna do with it? You're gonna one-up me? You're gonna story top me? You're gonna downplay it? Or are you gonna celebrate with me? And so I believe this, that God is teaching us how to be good receivers. What that doesn't mean is presenting the dolled up spiritual version of you. But it looks like trusting him with your whole life, with your whole story, with your day by day. That's what abiding is, by the way. That's what living in him is, by the way, is just learning what it looks like to be loved by God. What we find is that as we lived loved by God, we can live vulnerably with those around us and be okay. And if you attack me, it may hurt a little bit because I'm vulnerable, but I'm so plugged into the source that I've got life that overflows. And so what you said is not going to take me out. And as I mature in it, here's what I've realized. Most of the time, people's attack on me is actually all about them and nothing about me. And so I can be okay because I'm like, oh, wow, you're hurting so bad that you want to hurt me. I'm sorry. And I believe this, that what God wants us to do is simply learn to receive. Are you up for that? And as we're honest with him, then what happens is that we begin to live in such a place that we overflow. So would you stand with me? We're going to make some declarations. Worship team is going to come back up. And here's what's going to happen. Our ministry team will come up and they'll be available to pray with you. Some of you need to have somebody pray with you, whether it is to receive the Father's love, the forgiveness and freedom of Jesus, or the power of the Holy Spirit. But some of you need to have people pray with you about something really difficult that you're going through, or maybe even something difficult that you went through that you haven't let anybody into. And it's not that they have the secret fix to your stuff. It's that you need to allow that to be vocalized before God. And here's what I'm saying is if you've never shared anything with anybody, you don't have to start with the highest, most difficult thing, right? But just let somebody in just a little bit of your life and learn to trust and be humble enough to say, I'm gonna trust God and even others at the right time with me. And so maybe you need 
just to receive prayer. Maybe you just need to sing. We're gonna sing that song, I think, the one that they were singing, fill up my cup or fill my cup. Fill up my cup. That's a totally different song. That's like a hip hop song. Um, yeah, the good receiver song. That's the one they're gonna sing. And, uh, but before we do that, I want us to make some declarations together. What we're gonna do is we're gonna share, we're gonna speak some truths that are true about God that we want to become true about our hearts, all right, about our, ourselves. So I want you to say, I am a good receiver. I'm loved by God. I'm the one that Jesus loves. He loves me a lot. Look at your neighbor and tell him he loves me a lot. I'm a good resting place for the Holy Spirit. He likes to make his home in me. I'm loved by the Father. The Father's love is the defining characteristic of my life. I overflow love because I'm loved. He loves me. And so, Father, I just thank you for our family here. Thank you for what you're doing in us. And Lord, we just want to walk with you into health. We'll go at your pace. We trust you. You're trustworthy, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're pouring out life, that you are good to us. We just declare, Lord, that we trust you. In Jesus' name. Minister team, you guys can come forward.